Hello and welcome. You're listening to Connected and Ready, an ongoing conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed, brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Gemma Milne, I'm a technology journalist and author, and I'm going to be exploring trends around how companies are adapting to a disrupted world and preparing for tomorrow. We're going to speak to the innovators who are bringing products, operations and people together in new ways. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Thomas Wiebernight, co-founder, CEO and principal of Ahead CRM, to explore the topic of customer journey orchestration and find out what is really needed to more successfully engage and connect with customers. We dive into what the right view of a customer is, why consent and customer data is so critical and where a CDP fits in. We further dig into the role of CDPs in customer journeys and what organisations should be preparing for now in order to keep up with changing customer needs. Before we start, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. If you have a topic or a person you'd love to hear on the show, please send us an email at connectedandready at microsoft.com. A brief note that we're going to be off next week, but we'll return with a new episode on June 9th. We're so thankful for you all. Now, on with the episode. Thomas, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Let's start with some introductions. Uh, What do you do and what are you currently working on? Hey, thanks for having me. So I am founder, principal consultant of Ahead CRM LLC. What I and my colleagues are doing, or my colleagues and I are doing, is actually two things. We are helping vendors of enterprise software to better connect to their customers. And on the other side, we consult those customers to get the right enterprise software implemented, doing roadmap consulting, all these kinds of things. They're helping them with their strategy so that they, at the end of the day, have the right solution set in their IT that helps them making their business. So you're clearly the right person to be talking to about customer journey orchestration, which is what we're going to be diving in today. So Thomas, we hear a lot about this idea of the more accurate view of the customer. Could you give us an example of what having that more accurate view means from a customer perspective? Yes, of course. Having a more accurate view on me as the customer helps you to engage with me in a way that you are able to answer to my needs. So one example is the atypical service process. So first I'm I'm running into a maybe a chatbot. Yeah. So the chatbot asks a bunch of questions, well, probably my name, so that chat, the bot, can say, hey, Thomas, yeah, let, let me help you. So at some point in time, often this bot doesn't help. So a bot needs to escalate to a human agent. What happens then the next time? Usually they're asking me the same thing all over again. So this is due to not having an accurate view of my needs at this very time which seriously harms my willingness to go on with this conversation or to to have a next one. You can put that even further with now, let's think this is a discussion about an invoice. So the first agent can't help there as well, so I need to get into the invoicing department. And guess what? After hearing this funny, your call is important to us, please wait a little longer, I answer the same questions again. And this again is because of this company not having accurate data, which didn't get updated in real time, so that their personnel is able to start meaningfully and with being equipped with the right and most current data about me. So what you really want is 
a directed view at the customer based upon context and a very consistent set of information about each other. So let's build on this. If you don't really need this 360 view of your customer and you're saying what you do need is this directed, contextual, consistent view or ability to engage with the customer, what does that look like in practice? In practice, it, it looks like you as a vendor or as a business, you collect some data with consent of the customer, of course, that gives you a picture of who this person is, what this person wants and what this person wants right now. So that you are always able to give the right answer to whatever is my customer's immediate need at any given time. So for that, you need some background information, which is fine. For that to happen, you need to have some current information. It means what am I doing right now? Where, what may be my intents? Where am I going? What is my ultimate objective that I want to achieve with the current engagement? So that you can provide me with the right answers at the right time on the right channel. So for that, yes, you collect data. You collect the data that I allow you to collect. And then you use it to my benefit which then turns out to become your benefit, by the way. So you've used this word context um, a lot and you've kind of, you're, you're saying it's really about not just kind of getting the right information at the right time, but using the right information in the right places. Can you tell us a little bit more, build a little bit on this point of context that the data plays and how organizations can kind of work out how best to use data so that they really are tapping into those correct contexts, maybe have some examples, for instance, they can bring to life. Basically, the context comes out of the actions that I recently took. Let's take a website example. I go to Microsoft website with the interest in some CRM system. This is information that clearly comes via my actions on your website, which gives the context. So my context at this point of time is that I I'm apparently someone who is in search of a marketing solution that needs to fulfill a couple of requirements that I am looking for. Now, if you have my consent to interact with me, then you can use this information to provide me with the right answers to my inquiries that then help me make my decision on buying this software. So, and if you are the one who provides me with best information, then you are the one who most likely gets my business. And if you're doing that repeatedly, then you earn more and more of my trust so that you become the first choice that I look at. So this to some extent makes me a captivated customer, but I am voluntarily captivated at that point in time. So I do want to use your software mm. as opposed to other software. Yeah. So, and this is all about you being able to identify my situation and providing me with a solution for my inquiry, the immediate one, as well as the longer term. Let's build on privacy then, because you've mentioned the word consent a lot. You, you've just said privacy and, and voluntary. So um, let's talk about that. Is there a way to sort of collect the data you need that leverages consent and kind of keeps that balance? You know, how do you ensure you're protecting the customer data that you're collecting as well? Well, let's start with the identifying me first, because that's the very first step. When I visit your website the very first time, I'm a cookie. 
Kind of, yeah. So you, you don't know anything about me, but what system I'm using, what browser I'm using, and what time of day it is right now. So what you really want me is to identify myself. And what I do want is good answers. So the very first step is incentivizing me to identify myself by giving you, well, my identity, which is what is commonly called a CM system, a customer identity and access management system, which is the very first step into getting a proper conversation. So once I've identified myself, a very important aspect of a CM system is that it not only asks me for my well, from my name and email address or phone number or whatever it is, but it also asks me for what I am able and willing to provide you as information about me. This is consenting. This is preferences. My interest is marketing system. So then you have a direct, valuable information that I voluntarily gave you myself in order to help you help me which is far better than you guessing via a clickstream that I might be interested in. So at the same time, I gave you probably the permission to contact me with further questions so that you can provide me with better answers. These are the very first two steps. One is identify myself and then incentivize me to give you some few data that I am willing to give you. So if you have my email address, you won't get my, my phone number. So maybe you get my phone number a little later. Yeah. So these are all things that are not relevant to the current situation. So they are not part of the relevant context right now. Means you shouldn't care. At that point in time, it's all a give and take. So show me some value for what I give you. So what happens then is that that's then basically step two, step three, which is you're building a profile about me with data that I allow you to use for a purpose, which then helps you gaining and retaining my trust so that I, again, want to become a captive customer of yours. Dynamics 365 Customer Insights helps businesses unify data for a clear, actionable view of their customers. With unified customer profiles, marketing, sales, and service teams have the insights they need to personalize engagement at every touchpoint. Request a live demo of Dynamics 365 Customer Insights today. Follow the link in the episode description. Let's touch on that kind of, I don't want to say the final stage, but the, another really important stage, which is that storage point, right? How do you make sure you really are protecting this data other than not selling it on, for instance, as you've mentioned, but also from a sort of a, a security perspective? Yeah, from a security perspective, well, there's the trust thing, of course, and my trust in you increases if you can keep your systems secured within your infrastructure. It means also your data is secured into your infrastructure, which is kind of a tough challenge. I mean, there are data breaches galore. Yeah? So, and, so what I want you to ensure is that you are taking all necessary precautions to keep my data confined to your premises and that even within your organization, not everybody just can look at it. And the biggest security risk usually sits in front of a keyboard within your vendor infrastructure. So this trust needs to be built as well. The security systems need to be in place. Being a 
fairly big vendor, fairly reputed vendor that helps in establishing this trust that you should be able to mainly manage that, mostly manage that. So there's some remaining risk. So that is something that every vendor is actively doing. So no, no doubt about that. What would you say is the biggest challenge that organizations come up against when capturing this accurate view? And with that, how do they overcome this? What should leaders do to make sure that they're keeping up to date and implementing these tools in the best way possible to really, at the end of the day, keep providing that best customer experience? That's not the biggest challenge. I'd say there are two. One is that there is already a raft of disparate data. So data quality is the biggest technical problem. Uh, so the challenge is how to get this disparate, inconsistent data into something that is consistent and helpful. This is one. So now that we have this disparate data has also, but not exclusively, um, organizational challenges, which is often, well, cloud is one of the culp culprits there. It's fairly easy to get a solution to a, an isolated problem which leads to additional data silo. So what organizationally needs to happen is that there needs to be a willingness within the organization to put this data together, to have a shared repository of data, a common repository of this data. So what needs to be established within the organization is mutual trust and especially trust in an IT organization that it is able to help and run agile and fast enough in order to help the business units. So these are the main things. So there needs to be a consciousness of supporting each other. So we spoke about the importance of being able to gather information obviously with consent in order to get this accurate view but also to stay up to date because this information could of course change over time or consent could also change over time but anything could change over time so um, I wondered if there was any tools that you could think of that companies could use you know survey or marketing tools that really help them collect that data in an accurate way in the first place well we are back to a customer identity and access management system a good one asks me for preferences and for my concerns. Even if your terms and conditions are changing, then you need to ask me for a reconsenting. You know? So it's not only that my preferences change, your terms and conditions change as well. So a good CM system does this. And it implements a strategy that I would call progressive profiling. So you don't ask me all those questions right from the beginning, but you gain my trust by asking only little things that are relevant at this point in time. And then over time, ask a little more, get some more preference, but don't ask for everything at once. And if you do know what I am likely to want right now, if you then ask me that, I'm willing to give it. So this is less a matter of technology, but more a matter of strategy, actually. Let's actually move on to CDPs because there's a lot of talk about CDPs when it comes to customer journeys. And I think a lot of the topics that we've touched on will be able to delve into them via that discussion anyway. Again, coming back to this sort of single source of, of customer data. Tell us, for people who haven't heard of a CDP or have maybe only heard the acronym but don't know anything about it, what really is a CDP and, and where does it kind of fit into everything we've been talking about? A CDP well, is the abbreviation for customer data platform, which is a part of a data platform that deals with well, a specific type of data, which is customer data. So it helps in combining 
master data, transactional data, behavioral data, and to link it to my identity, again, based upon my consents. So with that, you can build a profile of me over time, which then helps you to engage with me in an appropriate way, in a way that helps both of us. So ACDP is the, well, the, the foundation for good engagement. Because back in the 90s, the early zeros of the century, this millennium, we had suites, software suites, which basically had the one place for all data that then could be used throughout processes. Then came cloud. All of a sudden, you had master data split across systems, which is a problem for engagement because let's say your support system says, Thomas is sitting in Germany, he is 33 because I gave you this age. Your marketing system identified me as sitting in California being 99 because I don't trust marketing agencies or I give some fake data. And all of a sudden, you have processes that stretch marketing, sales and service with different data about me. And that kills any process, which then kills any engagement, which kills any experience. Because then I say, hell, what's this? You don't know zip about me. You, you don't have appropriate data. If I'm asked for data that is to be given and able to download something, and all of a sudden you don't know who I am, and I ask myself, who, who am I doing business with? How unprofessional or professional are they? That's why it is important to get this data back, tie it into one system, to one identity that I voluntarily give, so that both of us can engage into meaningful processes that provide me as the customer with the result that I want to achieve, thereby giving you the opportunity to get my business. So my success is your success. So you're making a really compelling case for why CDPs kind of make sense if you're wanting to sort of solve this context problem as best as possible um, and sort of ensure that you are as professional as the business as possible. So, you know, ultimately, what do organizations then need to be considering or doing to ensure that they choose the right type of CDP? Because it can be quite a confusing time at the moment with so many different options out there. Yeah, that's that's a nasty one, actually. So because there are different types of CDPs. So starting from something very simple, which is basically what I used as an example so far. So it's basically a data collection engine. However, where the value comes is when the data that is getting collected becomes actionable. So the CDP needs to allow to do segmenting, to do personalization, to get into real-time interaction management, to provide me with the right answer at the right time on the right channel, and then ultimately support the whole journey that I'm on. This is basically three, four, five types of, of CDPs that you have then. So what you need to find as a business or what any business needs to find is the amount of CDP that is necessary that can be plugged readily into the infrastructure so that it supports the processes that shall get supported. And that starts basically with a series of steps. So first, identify what you want to do, where your priorities are, identify where the data is, what the source systems are, what the destination systems are, so upstream, downstream systems, and then build yourself a roadmap. So data is distributed amongst various systems. You do not yet have the one and only Thomas because you have me in various systems. 
means that there is in all likelihood a very serious job of data cleaning necessary to start off into the journey at all, to start off with getting any meaningful result. Building then from this, it'd be great to maybe get an example or two from you in terms of thinking about what does it ultimately enable you to do different or better than if you don't have a CTP? I mean, we've talked a lot about consistency and context, but it would be great to get a couple of little examples here. You know, how does it enable or allow for this better customer engagement or experience, as you put it? Well, imagine you are a retailer. A while ago, I worked with a retailer that had two banners or has two banners. They are still in existence. <laughs> These two banners, each one had a loyalty card. They were driven out of the same CRM system. They were exposed there via, well, two banner websites, two, two e-commerce sites. One of the banners even has a, a distributed sales force, so salespeople on the ground who have a distributed system. So now what they observed is that for each of those banners, they had loyalty cards out and, well, which is a good observation. The interesting one was that looking into the various countries that they supported, that there sometimes were more cards out than inhabitants of this country. So what they wanted to do is, and what they did, they harmonized this whole mess <laughs> into one system and discovered, well, in the process, they discovered that they had this problem and that it is a real problem. On the process, they used, well, they did a serious job in deduplication. And so they deduplicated their data in order to be able to address their customers in a better way, which they succeeded. And so they finally were able, by putting that into a CDP, that across both banners, they had people who agreed into combining their data across both banners and their various cards into one, which is of benefit for them as well, because ultimately they, well, there's some benefit with using the cards. And if you have the benefits distributed across cards, you, you never will get the best for yourself. So as a result, what they had is improved business because they addressed people better. The marketing got more precise engaging their customers in a way that was more relevant to these customers, which in turn incentivized those customers to get into their stores and buy a little more, purchase a little more, because they then knew that, well, the solution for my challenge is there and that across two banners. So that that was quite some synergy that they achieved with it. It just seems like a no-brainer, isn't it, right? And I think it seems like the CDP has a level of solving or at least the ability to solve these things that businesses are going god i wish i could just sort that out or consolidate this stuff or that when you say it out loud it's kind of obvious but when you actually start looking at how to manage all these different data sources it is actually kind of complicated would you say that's the sort of the purpose or the key role for a cdp for customer journey orchestration it's that kind of consolidation point yes the consolidation is absolutely mandatory and the problem, as I said, is not necessarily the existence or non-existence of the technology. A CDP really helps. First of all, you need to have an awareness to start into this journey. And establishing or running a CDP is always a journey. It just doesn't stop by implementing it. And there needs to be an ongoing awareness. So we can't just have executives solve their departmental problem by setting up yet another system which then is unconnected. So this is a part of the root cause for the necessity of the software category that CDPs actually are. Everybody and their dog 
implemented their own system for solving a departmental problem for whatever good or bad reasons. I don't judge the reasons here, but that causes a dilution of data. And once this dilution is there, processes get broken. And what companies gain by implementing a common data and information repository that empowers processes across the enterprise from sales service marketing is flexibility, it's agility, and it's relevance. So we spoke earlier about um, consent and about privacy, which is obviously something that's really important to you. And, and, and rightly so, this is not something that should be an afterthought, but really just baked into every kind of conversation that we have about data. But in addition to gaining customer consent for the data you collect, how does a CDP further help to protect that customer data? You know, does it help bolster privacy for customers, for instance? Has it got that kind of selling point as well? Yeah, as long as you have the CM part embedded in it, it does. Technically, it does. Yeah. So the other, well, it's pretty obvious solution as well. As long as soon as you have data only in one point, of course, the number of attack vectors are going down considerably. On the other hand, well, you you allow the attacking part to focus as well. So because you have only one put target, all the, put all the gold in one safe. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, so as said, the safety. And security of data is something that any database system or any application can guard only that much. So there's a whole lot of processes of additional security, of network security, of infrastructure security, of education of personnel. So there's a whole lot of additional things there. ACDP is a technology. This technology, if marketed and sold by a reputable vendor in itself should be fairly secure. The commitment that must be there by the vendor is, hey, we are treating your data serious, means we are doing our utmost to our capability to secure this software. And then, dear enterprise customer, we also help you to implement it in a way that these security features and these the built-in security is used in a good way and that you are not inadvertently just open up your data to, well, the whole of the internet. But again, this is a whole second topic on its own. There, Well, we could discuss for, for weeks. Yeah, but I think, I mean, as I said before, it's important that this is not kept as a separate conversation right despite the fact that there is a lot of detail and information to it is something that has to be at the core of all these kind of conversations particularly when we're talking about um or advocating for a, an interesting solution that is technology but but let, let me ask you one final question and i want to look ahead a little bit and get kind of your view on on the future here how do you see the role of customer behaviors and journeys continuing to evolve and with that what should organizations then be looking out for or doing to keep up with this change that's a real fascinating one because i mean there, there are a couple of trends right now so one is there's an increasing awareness of privacy at least in some generations so if i look at my kids they are probably less concerned right now the other trend is i want to have it easy yeah so i do not want to have a challenge interacting with someone else so convenience is probably the best word there so it needs to be sort of frictionless the third one, and that, that's the most exciting one, is that's about the journeys themselves. So we all use lots and lots of different, I call them interaction points, 
on various different channels. And we don't care about the communication channel anymore. Whether I contact you now via my laptop or we have a discussion via my laptop, which then goes on because I needed to move on via my phone, which is another device still on the app, then then we might call, then it's Teams meeting. So this whole conversation stretches across different platforms, technology platforms. The challenge that is in there technically is that you can't script journeys. You can't. What you can do is, and this is the consequence of it, you can provide me with a menu of those interaction points that I choose at my time. So you offer, I choose. And I choose them at my time and not at yours. So this is what I see as the real third trend is we are informing us differently. We are walking differently and we do not want to move on prescribed pathways. It's just the other way around. So if you are looking at the term of, of journey mapping, so usually it's about identifying the route that I'm taking. But if I'm looking at the real term of a map, What it is actually about is identify the map of ways that are taken by various different people in order to identify the best possible ones. It sounds like it's really about exploring, isn't it? And being able to have that yes. adaptability and that agility to um, not be scared of data or a customer or whatever there is taking this, what might be seen as unconventional journey, but being able to just serve based on the, the infrastructure that you have right there. But um, Thomas, honestly, this has been a, a really thrilling conversation and great to kind of get both your views on how things are moving forward at, at this really high level, but also some really lovely practical stuff as well as some technical things. I'm sure everybody listening will have got a lot, whether from this conversation, whether they're already CDP experts or whether they're new to it, considering it and wanting to know more. So Thomas, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. So it was my pleasure. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just a reminder, we're going to be on a break next week and we'll be back with the next new episode on June 9th. You can find out more about Thomas's work and indeed some of the broader themes we discussed today in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, please do take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in next time to continue our conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed. Learn how Dynamics 365 Customer Insights can empower your sales, marketing, and service teams to personalize customer engagement with an intuitive, flexible, and unified customer data platform. Request a live demo today by following the link in the episode description.